word of the Lord will challenge you today and will help you to respond to what God has in store for you. God has something in store for you, but you have to respond. So one thing I've learned about the the work of God, and I'm sure it, because God is God and he's just so awesome, I'm, I'm sure that this pertains to everything. But with God, in order for you to experience what he needs you to experience, you must engage. We, that's in anything. If you're going to really experience something, you have to engage. When you stand and stay afar and just look and observe, it doesn't do anything for you. you. You just observe and you get some knowledge, but nothing happens for you and to you. But when you get involved, then something will happen with you and to you. And I don't know about you. I need something to happen to me and for me by the power of God. But the only way that's going to happen is if there is engagement by me, if I get involved with him. And if I get involved with him, I will experience what he intends for me to experience. That's, that's just the work of God. That's just the way God does things. I, I remember, and I heard a lot of this preached this past week in the book of Acts. If you look in, I'm sorry, in the book of Mark, if you look at Mark 16, when it, when it goes to verse 20, after he says, he said to them, you know, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. And it talked about they will speak with new tongues. And if they pick up serpent, it shall not harm them. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not do anything to them. And it says that, and they went forth. Remember, it started by saying, go ye. And then it says, and then they went forth. The Lord working with them and confirming his words with signs following. What does that mean? It means God will give instruction. And if we don't engage, then we will not reap the result that he promised. And so oftentimes what I say is we're suffering from God's will being done in our life because we never engage. And we get frustrated because we never engage. And somehow we probably go back to blaming God because we, we're saying, how come we're not getting the results that you promised we would receive? And God is saying, yeah, I told the disciples to go. If they didn't go, they wouldn't get the results. But because they went, they did experience the results. And I believe in every aspect of how we will engage with God is how the results will be produced. So if I say I feel like praising him, then I need to just go ahead and praise him. But if all I do is sing, I feel like praising him, I will never get a result of him inhabiting me. Because the Bible says he will inhabit the praises of his people. So to experience his power in your life, you got to praise him. I went through all that to say that. You got to praise him if you want to experience his power in your life. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand and say, it's good to see you this morning. Genesis chapter 1. I believe the word of the Lord will help us this morning. I really do. I really do. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse number 26. Verse number 26 says, And God said, Who said? Okay. Let us make man in our image. <laughs> After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, 
and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Who created man? In whose image? His who? All right. Okay, y'all. You there? Okay. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. God of heaven, I thank you for your presence even now that is upon us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that today you will do a work inside of our soul today. I pray that today, Lord God, there will be restoration. There will be deliverance. There will be salvation. I pray today that somebody, Lord God, uh, will humble themselves to you and allow you to do what only you can do in their life. Uh, There are people in this place today that, oh God, are hungry, that are desperate for a move of your, your, your spirit in their life, that are looking looking for direction and needing answers. And I pray this morning that by the power of the Holy Ghost and the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, that there will be a work done in this place today. That the Spirit of God will move upon us. And that salvation and deliverance will come to us. God, we don't want to leave this place the same way we came in, but God, will you help us today? Will you visit us today? That change will come to us. That deliverance will come to us, that God, we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will become doers of the word of God. Move upon us, Lord God, that we will do what the word has said we must do. Today, God, I pray the blessings of God will be upon every person in this place, and that the will of God may take place in their life. Father, we praise you and honor you, for there is none like you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the great I am. And we thank you this morning. Will somebody open up their mouth and lift their voice and just shout unto the Lord. Oh God, we praise you. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh bless the name of the Lord. Oh blessed be the name of Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're saved. We love you God. We love you God. We love you. Clap your hands one more time unto the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you today on this topic. Recognizing and reclaiming our true identity. Recognizing and reclaiming our true identity. The Bible says, and it clearly stated... That we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Didn't it say that? Did you read that? That we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Did we all see that? The Bible says God is a spirit. So the question is, if God is a spirit, 
and we were made in the image of God and in his likeness, why aren't we spirit? Spirit you can't see. So if we were created in the image of God and we're not spirit, then what's going on? What is God talking about? We were created in his image. Hmm. But I want to share this with you in case you're questioning that. Let's look at some scripture here that will help us get to understand what the image is that God was talking about. 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 says this, And without controversy. Now you could have your own controversy, but this is the word of God, and God is saying there's no controversy here. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Okay, that's, that's telling me something. That's telling me that there's some things that are mysterious about God that I will not always understand. God was manifest in the flesh. What does that really mean? We said God is a spirit. And you can't see spirit. And now the scriptures tell us that God's spirit was manifest in flesh. Hmm. You hear me go through this much in understanding, trying to get you to understand who God is, because I believe the, 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 the issues and challenges that we have in our own life and in our world is because we really don't know who God is. Yeah, we heard about him. But we don't really know. And so it's important that we realize this invisible God that created in the beginning by speaking is the God that says, you know what? I have to make myself visible. So the Bible says that God was manifest in flesh, justified in spirit. Isn't that a capital spirit? A capital S? Because what he's saying is the unseen Invisible God made himself into human. That's the only flesh that he's talking about, not, not animals. Humans. But he was still God. That's why it says justified in the spirit. That big ass tell you, I became manifested as one of you, but I was still God. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in this world, received up into glory. So the invisible God became visible. He took on the image of human. His name we will find in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's something heavy. Who? Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Who is God's equal? Nobody. Nobody's God equal. So when Jesus became manifested, or should I say when God manifested himself as Jesus Christ, he was still God. That's the only way 
there can be an equal is because he's, he, he made himself visible where you can see him, but he never ceased being God. That's why he was equal, because there's nobody equal to God. My son is not equal to me. So we can't say, oh, well, Jesus is, you know, God's son. And yes, we can use that because the Bible says that, but I've talked to you about that. But the bottom line is, you are not equal to anybody. So when Jesus said he was equal to God, what he's saying is, I am the almighty God. I just showed myself in flesh. That's important to know. By the way. I had a good time at general conference with my son. Son, good, good, good to see you in church this morning. I thought you was going to feel like you had so much church this week that you can skip a Sunday. <laughs> you know, you know that, that's how our human mind work. Oh, man, I was with my dad, you know, all this week at general conference. We went to a lot of church service. We met a lot of preachers, so I felt spiritual for that whole time I was with him. So I could miss a, I could miss a Sunday. So I'm proud of you for being here. I had a good time with my son, man. I was... I really, I was excited to spend some time with you, son. I know I'm always on the go, and man, that was good quality time for me and my son. We sat, sat we had dinner together a couple of times. One night we went to the, um, what's it called, Eagle's Nest. It was a restaurant on top of the Hyatt that just revolves around, and me and my son just chilling, eating some good food, having a good time. Had a good time. Spend time with your kids, spend time with your family, man. It's important. I, I tell them all the time, I didn't know any better when I was younger, but as I get older, I'm learning and I'm getting better at it. So thank God for giving me a second chance. Somebody say second chance. God gives you a second chance, man. I appreciate that. But, but God became man. He manifested himself. He became man. And so it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So what this is saying is God made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. If the almighty God who was invisible that became visible decided to make himself a servant and humble himself and began to serve us, what should we be doing? Hmm. What should we be doing? It says, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So not only did he serve us, but he also died for us. And nobody took his life, but he gave his life for us. Jesus is the image of God, and we are the image of Jesus Christ. That's how come the Bible said from the beginning that we were created in his image. Because how God operates is... Everything is in his mind already. It's already done in his mind. We're just, just getting to walk the, 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 the order of how things are going. But everything is already complete in his mind. Everything is already done in his mind. Not in our mind. There's no predestiny of, of you know, no matter what you do, you're going to go wherever you're going to go. That's not true. God knows what will happen, but we still have the right and we still have the option to determine where we will spend eternity. 
Yes. So, 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 if you sit around and says, well, what, what, what good is this? What, what's the use? No matter what I do, God already knows what's going to happen to me, and it's no need of me doing anything because it's going to happen no matter what I do. That is baloney. God gave us choice. That's the reason why he put that tree in the garden that, he, that, that, that was of knowledge of good and evil because he was establishing choice. So, so things just don't happen to us uh, that, that, that we have to just agree with because it's just the way things are. Because we can decide if we're going to make it into heaven or we're going to go where we should not have gone. It's a choice. So we learn. What is this image and this likeness that the Bible is talking about? What is this image and likeness? Image. Here is some definition. Resemblance. A representative of. So when we talk about image, Jesus was the resemblance of God. So what God is saying, as spirit, you couldn't see me. But one day I'm going to come and you will be able to see me. And this is what I'm going to look like. Jesus is the image of God. He is. He came in the form of God because God is invisible. You couldn't see him. But when he made himself visible, you were able to see him and understand who God is. Without Jesus, you couldn't really have an understanding of who God is. You will come to the place of trying to figure out what he looks like, how he looks, what kind of attitude and ambitions he has, because you couldn't know, because you couldn't see. You can't know something you can't see. So he manifests himself so you can know him. He showed himself so you can know him. So when it talked about image, it's talking about resemblance, a representative of. Then the word likeness, the definition for likeness is fashioned or lookalike. Fashioned or lookalike. So image is resemblance, a representative of. Likeness is fashioned or lookalike. So what the Bible is telling us in Genesis, when God created man in his image and likeness, what God is saying, I'm creating man to resemble me. I'm creating man to represent me. I'm created, creating man to be fashioned like me and to look like me. God created us in the garden because he wanted us to resemble him. God created us in the garden because he wanted us to be a representative of him. God created us in the garden that we can be fashioned and look like him, act like him, and show people what he is like. That's why God created us. So he can have relationship with us. You can't have the same relationship with your dog that you can with a human being. Quiet. You can't have the same relationship with your cat that you do with a human being. Dogs will have better relationship with dogs. Cats will have better relationship with cats. 
human beings will have better relationship with other human beings. And so God made us like him so he can have relationship with us. That's that's where I'm going. God made us so we can have relationship with him because we could not possibly have right relationship with God if we were cats and dogs or we just weren't like him. But he created us in his image and his likeness in order for us to have real relationship because the only way to have real relationship with God is to be like him. You try having a relationship with someone that you and them don't see the same way. You and them don't have the same goals. You and them don't live the same kind of life. You and them will never have a great relationship. You can't. The more you understand each other, the better your relationship. The more you have the same in common, the better relationship. So God created us so we can have right relationship with him. And the only way we can really have real relationship with God is to be like Him. If we are going to be our own self, uh, which is a fallen nature, then we can't have good relationship with God. So many times, oftentimes, we're trying to have a relationship with God, and it's just not working the way we would like it. And I'll tell you why. I'll let you know why. We're talking about recognizing and reclaiming our true identity. That's what we're talking about here this morning. Hmm. Ever since the Garden of Eden, man has not properly imaged God as was first intended. The intention that God had for human beings was... From the time Adam was created to the time right before Adam sinned was what God had in mind for us. Take my time with that. The only time we operated as God intended for us to operate was when Adam was created till right up before Adam took the fruit from Eve. The Bible says God and Adam walked in the cool of the day. God and Adam was tight buddies. God and Adam got along real good. God and Adam had a great relationship. So from the time Adam was created to the time Eve allowed him to take the fruit or he was stupid enough to take the fruit and disobey God, from that time, the way how Adam lived was the intention that God had for mankind. Make sense? All right. And so, when man sinned in the garden, we became flawed and no longer was in the image and likeness that God intended for us to be in. When man sinned, we became flawed. Our image and likeness was no longer what it needed to be in the sight of God. God kind of put this in my mind this morning after I was done preparing. He just dropped this in my spirit. I said, ooh, God, stop it. But here's what he put in my spirit. We spend a lot of time projecting some kind of image. 
<laughs> yeah, you better start getting truthful up in here. We spend a lot of time projecting who we want people to think we are. That's your image. This is who I am. That's who you put off. You're constantly living according to that image that you're selling to everybody. You want everybody to think this way about you so you're walking and talking and living and dressing, driving what you drive, living in what you live in, so you can project a certain image. When you go to work, you, you operate a certain way because you want to project a certain image. How you talk, whatever kind of conversation, how you speak has a lot to do with the image you're selling. Your education is part of that image you're selling. We have garnered images of ourselves or image of ourselves that we want people to believe in. So we will do whatever we need to to protect that image. The saddest thing about that, John, that image is false anyway. Because if we're not operating in the image and the likeness of Christ, everything else we're doing is false. Whatever I'm trying to say, look at me, look at what I wear, look at the threads of my clothes, look at what I sleep on, look at what I drive, listen to how I talk. Whatever that is, if it's not according to the image and likeness of God, it is false. Maybe, let me slip this in. You know what's different between us being children and us being adults? One of the biggest difference is children are not trying to project any image. They just do what they do. That's why we get all embarrassed with children. Because they're messing up our image. What you doing? We take them in the corner, slap them up because they're messing up our image. Because, man, I don't want people looking at you and think that's something about me. So we do everything we can to project our image. But children, they don't care. They just live how they live, talk how they talk, do what they do, and just do. They're more in the image of Christ at that age than we are as we become adults. Because all we want to do is walk around and project our image. And the kids just like, whatever. They're not worried about embarrassment. They're not worried about anything. And so today I want to help you to get free. The image you've been given, you might as well just do like this. Get a piece of paper and just ball it up and just throw that away. Start over brand new. Start over. Because your image, uh uh-uh. That's, that's not what God intended. We fell in the garden. The Bible says, because of one man, all men have sinned. So when, when Adam fell in the garden, we might as well say we fell in the garden. Because that's what brought sin into this world, and then that's what brought sin into all of our lives. So once we understand that, we realize the image that I have, if it's not according to the image God intended from the very beginning, I'm living a false life, and I need to get it together. I noticed something as God put that in my heart this morning. I had an image before I got saved. I had an image. I guard my image just like my oldest son. He, I know he got an image. This is this, Because that's what I passed down to them. The only time all of the stuff that they do is going to change is when they get saved as well. Now my son is doing real good, so I'm not talking bad about my son. This is my son. My big boy. He came before everybody. But my point is, 
when we don't have Christ, we come up with this image. And I remember having an image. And I remember when I first went to church, Brother Henry, and I start getting into God, I realized I can't worry about what anybody's thinking about me. So, John, I started clapping. You know, this cool me. I'm cool. John, I was cool. So to go in church and be rocking the Christian music and to clap my hand, man, that was, that was beneath me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have to be honest. I just, I'm being honest with my Jesus. But, but that's how I was. I'm like, man. And then before I received the Holy Ghost, I still had a little image. But when I got the Holy Ghost, Oh, Lord. Ah, I can die every day I think of that. I got the Holy Ghost, and me, everybody tell you, I don't think anybody saw me ever cry before I got the Holy Ghost. Right, right, wife? You, you never saw me cry before the Holy Ghost, right? Nope. Because I got an image. Anybody seeing me cry? I'm strong. And then I got the Holy Ghost, and man, after I got the Holy Ghost, I started crying for stuff. I'm like, why am I crying? I'm just trying to be, be a Christian. I find myself crying. I find myself being emotional. I find myself being in touch with things I was not usually in touch with. And so now I realize I can't control my life because God is in control. And that's what made me gave up the image. I could no longer live according to the old man. Embarrassment didn't work for me. I didn't care. I didn't care. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm trying to impress Jesus. I'm trying to get a right relationship with Jesus. And if anybody wants to have any issues with that, let them do it. I'm not worried about it. I was at the general conference. Somebody prayed for me real good, boy. We had a great one one of those services like Holy Ghost just came. Somebody prayed for me and told me that no matter how much people talked about me and came against me. That person prayed and says, God is upholding you. And everything everybody's trying to come against you to do, God has stopped them. God has perfect, protected you. And kept. I said, oh, God, almost ran. Everybody that God does anything in their life that you can recognize, they've been through some stuff. They've been through some stuff. You don't, you don't, you don't get nowhere in God by just being okay. You're going to go through some stuff. But if you will just go through it with the image and the likeness of Christ, then I'm telling you, uh, God will keep his hand upon you. Uh, and God will continue to work in you and through you. You just have to keep that image. You just have to re- recognize and reclaim the image that God has for you. Yes. Our marred and corrupt image and likeness. In the garden, our image and our likeness of Christ was marred in the garden. Our marred and corrupt image and likeness of God happened because we are driven by our own desires. And those desires will deceive us and misguide us. That's why we got into a little situation there. Well, help me, Jesus. Try and take my time. There's a lot here that I want to tell you before we close up. Because our desires are driving us, 
we're misguided. We are driven by our own selfish motives. This deviation is not normal. When we become selfish, it's not normal. Tell your neighbor, selfishness is not normal for a child of God. It is a corrupted way of thinking when we become selfish. If someone is corrupt in their ways of thinking and in their desires, then guess what? We have lost uh, the, the, the ability to be the image uh, and the likeness of Christ because now we're living our life according uh, to corrupted self. Uh, and that's not what God intended for you. When we allow our image and likeness to be corrupted, it also infringe on, get this, our intellect, our knowledge and understanding. Man, God, God, God just dropped this on me. What we don't realize is this. Before Adam sinned, Adam named all the animals. And Adam didn't go to Harvard. He didn't go to Yale. Before Adam sinned, Adam just, the, the knowledge that Adam had was just amazing, and he didn't go to any Ivy League. When we sinned and continue to sin, it does something. It mars our knowledge. It, it, it challenges and, and, and even mar our intellect, and all our decision-making is not going to be sound anymore. You want to know what's wrong with our world? It's because we're not living in the image God created us to live in. And so our knowledge is messed up. Our intellect is messed up. And the way we think and the decisions we make, we can't make right decisions anymore. That's what the real issue is. We keep on blaming this and blaming that. Let me tell you once and for all, forget about racial issues. It's not a racial issue. It's a sin issue. If we can get back to the original form that God created us to be in the image of God and in God's likeness, we won't have the troubles. We won't have the problems we're having now in our world. It's not racial. It's not America. It's us people that decide to deviate from who they are and their likeness in God. That's what it is. Try to fix problems. We will never fix our problem outside of God. There is nothing that's going to get fixed. I don't care who it is. They can't fix it. Jesus is the only one that can fix our problems. And he has given us dominion. What that means is we have the choice to trust in him, to reclaim our image, to reclaim our likeness in him. We have that right. And when we do that, we can fix the problems of our world because we will operate in the image God intended for us to operate in. Mm. That's what we need to consider. Our, our, our thinking is off. Our knowledge is distorted. 
Our decision-making process is not competent because we are no longer operating. I don't know about you, but I know when I'm not doing good spiritually, my mind don't operate the same. I'm able, I'm in a place where I can tell the difference between the man that's operating according to the man and the man that's operating in the image and the likeness of Christ. And I can tell the difference. And I'm telling you today, it's a, it's night and day. I make different decisions. My knowledge, with the stuff that come into my mind, I'm like, man, I could not have understood this on my own. I could not conjure up that kind of information on my own. But because I'm operating in the image and the likeness of Christ, I can do all things. I can do all things with the image and the likeness of Christ flowing through me. Yes. We need to recognize and reclaim. We need to recognize and reclaim what's wrong with us. And what's wrong with us is we're no longer operating in our true identity. You can never accomplish what you were created and intended to accomplish if you're never operating in your true identity. So we're trying to accomplish things in a false identity. And God will not allow that to happen. It just cannot happen. So until you get rid of some pride. Until you start worrying about what people are saying about you. Listen. I am not crazy enough to don't think. I know people will talk. But I can't control what people are going to say. So I just let them say it. What I'm supposed to do is operate in the image and the likeness of Christ. The Bible says that above all things, taking on the shield of faith. When I walk in faith, when all the fiery darts of what people say and what people try to do, when all those darts come, guess what? The shield of faith will prevent them from harming me. It's time to reclaim your true identity. And when you reclaim your true identity, you're not putting off anything. You don't care. You don't care. Here's one. You don't think Jesus knew he was going to be stripped naked on the cross? Who likes to be stripped naked in front of people? Anybody like to be naked in front of people? You don't think Jesus, who is God in the flesh, knew he was going to be naked on the cross? But that's what goes on when the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. That's what the Bible is talking about. He, he, he unloaded everything in him that was prideful. Anything that was in him that was ungodly was never in him. It was not in him because he just came to do the will that he was supposed to do. It didn't matter what people said about him. What they said, they talked about him, and the Bible says he said not a mumbling word. We always got to defend ourselves. 
We always got to respond to what people say. We always got to show people. What you got to show people? When you are operating in the true image and the likeness of Christ, I don't have to show you nothing. I don't have to tell you nothing. I don't have to apologize about nothing. I don't have to worry about how you want to talk about me. Because God's got my back if I'm in his image and likeness. What I'm saying to you, trust me, if you'll listen, you'll see. I got to tell you this. Thursday, because people are not living in the image and the likeness of Christ, our false image and likeness Cause us to be jealous. Cause us to talk about people. Cause us to want to be noticed, want to be recognized. And so, what happened Thursday in my life, Sister Angela? There was mixed emotion. I felt it all in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you how this works. When we come together as people, If we don't operate in the image and the likeness of Christ, a lot of stuff can mess us up. And only through the image of Christ and the likeness of Christ will we be able to handle things. And so, as I said, you got eight to 10,000 people at this conference. You got people that's been in our organizations years and years with big time reputation. You've got people that's aspiring. You got all kinds of things that's going on. Christian people. Loving people, godly people. But when we don't allow the image and the likeness of Christ to operate in our life, we allow stuff like this. Man, how did he make it on the stage at General Conference? Now, y'all might not understand this. But that's, a, that's just crazy how that happened. I've been only saved. Our organization is very seasoned. I've been in Christ for 21 years. You got people that's been in Christ 30 and 40, 25, 50, and you keep going. And they never stood on the platform of General Conference ever a day in their life, let alone get to talk. When I got done speaking for my 45 seconds or a minute, you know what came to my mind? For 45 seconds to a minute, eight to 10,000 people listened while nobody else was talking to me to tell them what happened in this church. Y'all better stop and think about that. For one minute, my voice was the only voice that was speaking in a congregation of eight to 10,000 people about what God is doing in this church. You decide what you want to do. God has given us favor. God is doing something in our midst. And it's not us. It's not anybody. It's what God is doing. God is doing it. I would have never dreamed that in a million years. I'm still today wondering how did that happen. Because there's a lot of people that's more popular. There's a lot of people that have more name recognition. There's so many people that's been in our orders for for years saying, man, if I can just, I would like for one day them to call me at general conference and ask me to be a speaker. 
y'all don't understand that because y'all might not be on that level of how some people think like that. But that's the image, that false image and that, and, and that false likeness make them think like that. And so when I got done Thursday night and I'm walking, I just felt some saying, man, I'm glad to hear from somebody different. And I'm glad that somebody that's normal was able to have that opportunity. Then you have others that saying, get up there and that's amazing to think from where god has brought me to that point that is crazy but i want you to know that that came from it didn't matter what nobody said about me it didn't matter the mistakes i made and they said well this and that ain't right and that ain't right none of that mattered all i did was say let me just walk in the image of god let me just walk in the likeness of god it doesn't matter what nobody say doesn't matter what nobody think i'm just gonna walk in the image of god and let god deal with all of this stuff because i've read in my bible and god says we need to restore each other i know god said we need to love one another and so when people want to talk it doesn't matter if they right or wrong if they want to talk They're going against the Bible. They're going against God. And if me and you are going to operate in the image and likeness of God, we won't talk about people. We will help people. We won't talk about people. We will love people. We won't talk about people. We will lift them up and just not say it, but show it. Show it. Because if you operate in the image and the likeness of God, you won't have to say nothing. So here I am today, I don't have nothing to say. It's like it never happened. This is just us here talking in our church and, you know, we got to love each other and talk about what God is doing in our midst. So this is just us here talking. People say anything, hey, brother, I heard. I, yeah, praise the Lord. I've learned that. I have nothing to say because God is showing me, Wayne, if you just trust me and live for me, I will lift you up. And no matter what nobody think or what nobody say, they can't touch you. They can't do anything to you. Your responsibility, Wayne, is just to obey me. Live in my image. Live in my likeness. And I will uphold you, undergird you, and protect you. He will do the same for you as he has done for me. It's just the way it go. Don't you worry about anything. Let's get out of being false in our image and likeness of Christ. We need to restore. We need to reclaim. We need to understand who we are and reclaim it. Who you are today, if it's not representing God, if it's not representing His likeness, you need to say, God, help me to reclaim my original and true identity. I'm getting here. When a sinful person begins to see his or her disfigurement because of sin, he or she takes the first step in recovery from it. In order to get yourself right, if if you can recognize that, that, that you're not living in your true identity that's the first step 
And that's why we're preaching this today. So all of us can really analyze ourselves, can really judge ourselves to say, am I living in the true identity that God created me to live in? I'm not talking about what you have portrayed or what you have sold to people or what you want them to think of you. I'm not talking about that identity. I'm talking about how Christ created us from the very beginning. The image of Christ and the likeness of Christ. We need to examine ourselves and say, am I operating like that? We gotta identify that. If we're gonna make a change today, we gotta identify that. And so, in order for us to have recovery, we have to identify who we are, what kind of image we have been portraying. Unless man recognizes his corruption, it is impossible that he seek remedy for it. If you don't think something is wrong with you, As far as your true identity, then you'll never try to get anything straight. You will never try to recover it. You will never try to fix it. If you think that you're okay today and your identity is just what God intended, you're living the way God intended, then then you, you will never recognize if there's any corruption in you. Remember I told you last week that, yes, lying is a sin. Cheating is a sin. All the sins we know, they're sins. And I think many of us, especially here today, do our very best to try not to do those things. I believe that. But here's the challenge that we have. It's not just sin that we should be looking at. When we are in the image, in the likeness of Christ, the definition that I gave one of them is we are representative of him. So it's not always the wrong and the right, the do's and the don'ts. It's not always that. It's what, what am I doing? Is it a representation of him? Because I was created in his image and his likeness, I am supposed to live my life in representation of who he is. So it's not always lying and stealing and cheating and doing all those wrong things. No, it's asking the question, am I a representation of the almighty God? Am I the representation of him? That's the question. Forget about sin. That's the obvious. He died for sin. So we can be forgiven of sin. The question is, as the image of my creator, as the likeness of my creator, am I a representation of him? Wherever I go, whatever I do, how I talk, the the, the lifestyle that I, I, I put before people, Remember, when you're living in Christ, you no longer is in charge of the image. (laughs) Yeah. If, if, If you stay in your true identity, if you today reclaim your true identity, you're no longer in charge. That's how I go, Luke. No longer in charge. So when people talk about you, you just said, whatever, I'm no longer in charge. 
when you operate the way God, it doesn't matter. I'm no longer in charge. It's easy. I've said that before, and, and, and I don't know how many of us will buy into that. It's easy to live for God than it is to live for myself. Maddie, that don't sound right, huh? Let me tell you why. Living for God, he does most of the work. Living for self, I got to make every single decision. And all of the decisions we make all the time, they have consequences. Every decision you make every day, they have consequence. But if I live for God and obey God, I don't have to make those decisions. I don't have to get up and say, should I pray? That's already made for me. I don't have to get up and say, should I read my Bible or not? That's already made. Give me this day my daily. I don't have to make a whole lot of decisions that somebody that's not, somebody that's not living for God got to figure out their day. Okay, all right. Should I do this? Or should, I don't have to do that. Because I know who I am and whose I am. So I just make a decision just by obeying him. Operating in his image. All right, y'all hot, tired, you're getting sleepy. I'm going to finish up here. (laughs) Somebody want me to preach. I like that. The only way we're going to correct that marred image and likeness of our corruption and disfigurement is to do this. Look at Jesus. If we're going to correct our false image, we're going to have to go and look at Jesus. He's not physically here, so you're going to have to go and read who he is, what he's all about. That's how we're going to correct that false image we've been living by. You know why the only way to correct is by looking at Jesus? Remember, the Bible says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus was never marred by sin. He never sinned. Jesus never got corrupted by this world. But every other human being was marred by sin and got corrupted of this world. Everybody else. This is why, John, I smile when people talk about anything I do wrong. I just smile because I know they did wrong too. <laughs> they did wrong too, John. I'm not going to talk about their wrong. I just let them talk about my wrong and I just smile. Because if we talk about each other's wrong, that's how you know their image and their likeness of Christ have been marred. Because if you have the image of Christ and, and the likeness of Christ, you know all have sinned. So it's idiotic for me to go and talk about somebody's wrong when I got some wrongs that I need to work on and straighten out. It doesn't make good sense. Why am I going to talk about your wrong when I got some wrong? But you know why? where that come from? Our pride tells us my wrong is not that bad like your wrong. The image is marred. The image is, is messed up. So we want to we wanna categorize what is worse than the other thing. And unfortunately, God is saying... It doesn't matter to me. You did wrong. I'm going to treat them both the same. Because if you lied and I stole and we do that for the rest of our life, we're going to end up in the same place. (laughs) Yeah. If I lie and you stole, if we continue like that and never go to God and ask for forgiveness, we're going to end up in the same place. If you drink and I smoke and we never go to God and get it straight now, we're going to end up in the same place. 
that's the image and the likeness of Christ talking to y'all. Because people that are not operating in the image and the likeness, they don't understand that. Because if they did, they wouldn't say anything. Right? If they understood that, why would they even open their mouth to criticize? Because they will know, I caught them in a lie. But by me gossiping about the lie, I caught them in. Now I'm sinning too. So I'm no different from you now. <laughs> Somebody help me. This. Can we get that? That if I see you do wrong and I go and tell Brother Clark, yeah, I saw Suzette doing wrong. Now I'm wrong just like her. And so we're no different. And you want to hear the crazy part about it? Maybe she, I saw her yesterday doing wrong. And when she, before she went to her bed last night, she cried out to God and repented. So now she right, and this morning I see you in church. Yeah, look at her. She was doing wrong yesterday. I'm gossiping. Now I'm wrong and she clean. <laughs> oh, God, help us. We, we got to get that. And we're going to operate in the image and the likeness of Christ. And we're going to reclaim our identity. We got to realize it doesn't even make sense for me to waste my breath to talk about what somebody did. doesn't matter. What I'm supposed to try to do is help them. All right, here's, here we go. I'm getting ready to finish up here. Let me finish up here and close out today. We cannot look to anybody else to reclaim our true identity. Only by looking to Jesus can we reclaim our true identity. He is the one that established the identity and the likeness that we were supposed to operate in from the very beginning. So we cannot Look to anyone else. Jesus is the only one that was never marred by sin or corrupted by this world. So if we want to know how we need to behave, how we need to operate, we have to look to Jesus. The more we learn about Jesus and seek to obtain a relationship with him, the more you learn about your selfish desires, interests, and it should repulse you. Okay. That must mean we're struggling with getting to know Jesus. Listen, transparency. It's easy to be transparent because I, I, I'm operating in the image and lightness. I don't care what you think when it comes down to stuff like this. So here we go. When you're doing wrong, it means you have corrupted your true identity and your lightness when you're doing wrong. And so... You're comfortable or you're okay with what you're doing wrong. That's why you can explain it away. When you start to seek Jesus and seek a relationship with him, that's the time when you can start to look at your actions and begin to cry. Because you realize that comparing my behavior to what he intended for me to be, I have repulsed myself. I don't know about you. I have looked at some of my actions in Christ and say, oh, my God, I can throw up thinking about that wrong that I did. That is just ridiculous. Oh, my God. I don't know about you, but I think back every once in a while, whether it's the devil or me, some flashes come back to my mind and some things I've done wrong. And I'm like, oh, Lord, if I can throw up, I would just throw up right now because how could I have done something like that? How could I have let myself get into something like that? How could I behave that way? What was wrong with me? 
But I could never say that until I got clear. You, you see, oh my, if we can really understand God, understand his ways, because when you can now say the things to yourself that you know is just repulsive and wrong, it means, it means you're moving towards and operating in that image and likeness. But if you want to hold on to your mess, and I don't want nobody to know, and I ain't never really did wrong, and you're trying to present yourself like you're okay, you're in a lot of trouble. lot of trouble. I'm okay and very comfortable. You won't get me giving you blow by blow all that I've done wrong because I don't even want to remember them so good. But I'll be quick to tell you, man, I've done some stuff. Oh, Lord, help me. But I can only say it comfortably now because where I am with God. If you can't say the stuff you have done wrong to yourself or you can admit that, man, I've been a mess. It means that you still got a lot of work to reclaim your image and, and, and your likeness in God. But when you're walking around like, oh, you know, ain't nothing really wrong and everybody did me wrong. Oh, my God, I got to pray for you because you got to come to the place where you can say, oh, my God, the things that I can think back and realize what I've done wrong, it repulses me. I wish I never did it. Lord, cleanse me. And purify me and wash me and clear me from all of those mess. Your sin never go anywhere. God washes them away. But what they do is they're still memories. And that's why the longer we continue in sin, the more fight we put in our life. The longer we continue in sin, the more fight we put in our life. What does that mean? You keep on doing wrong. And the longer you do wrong, the more memories that you have of the wrongs. The more often you're going to think about them. So today I'm doing good and I'm loving the Lord and here come the devil or me. I thought, come, remember you did this? Oh, man. And for a moment there, you got to be trying to work that out of your mind because you're saying, my God, this was a good day. But here come that thought. But the quicker you can get out of those wrong, the quicker you can put all of that behind you and focus on Jesus and reclaim your true image and reclaim your true identity and likeness, the quicker you can do that, the further away those memories will come. It means they will be so far that they will come maybe once a month. But the longer you're in them, they might come once every 15 minutes because it's too much of it. It's very important to understand that. But the good news is when you get good with God and you start reclaiming your image and likeness in him, oh, man, you don't have no problems. You just say it the way it is and you get past it. I'm finishing up here now. I'm getting ready to land. I just realized something. Remember I told you all that um, the, the pilot always talk about um, and we're getting ready to land? I think I figured out the, um, the time frame. They always say that. I'm not going to take their time frame, but they always say, um, um, prepare for landing 20 to 25 minutes out. I called them. I said, yeah, 20 to 25 minutes before they land. They say, we're about to land. Prepare for landing. I won't do that. Prepare for landing. It won't be 25 minutes, (laughs) but, but, but I I picked up on that. When When he said flight attendants, prepare for landing. I listen. He says, we'll be on the ground in 20 to 25 minutes. I said, hmm, 
Okay, that's what they're saying. So right around the 20 to 25 minute, wherever you're going, they'll tell you, prepare for landing, rest assured. The way these things are, they know because it means that they've been in touch with the towers and the towers told them you're clear to land. And so their computer on the plane tell them how long that will be. And they just know when they give you the time. We're smart, aren't we? The things that we can create. This can only happen if we seek to obtain a relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship is not a bunch of facts that one can gather about Jesus or anybody else. You can't get a relationship with someone just by having facts of them. Yeah, he was born on this day. Yeah, he went to this school. Yeah, he drove this car. You can't have a relationship with any individual where all you did was just gathered information. And I'm afraid that as Christians, as people that fear God, I'm afraid that we have been gathering information and just going off the information that we have of Christ and call it relationship. But I have to tell you this morning, information and facts don't give you a relationship. It's not until you get involved, Luke. It's not until you interact. It's not until you experience that person into a real situation where you're connecting It's not until you're engaging with that person till you establish a relationship. And so don't be a Christian that have gathered facts and information about Jesus. And and every time somebody come close by you, you just quote a scripture. (laughs) You know how many people that's quoting scriptures to kind of tell you that they're Christians? They gathered facts and information, but they are not engaging in any relationship. If we're going to reclaim our true identity, we can't just gather facts. We can't just get information and just quote scriptures and think we got the relationship. No, we must engage. When we say we worship him, we need to lift our hands and lift our voice to him. When we say we worship him, we need to get down on our knees. When we say we worship him, we need to lay prostrate. When we say we worship him, we need to just say God and cry out to him. It can't be facts and information. It can't just be sitting around and saying, I know this and I know that and there is nothing that you're doing to engage if we're going to reclaim our true identity we got to engage in relationship we got to engage in reaching out to God so he can help us to repair what we have marred. He can help us to repair what we have corrupted. Because in order for us to accomplish the will of God, in order for us to be satisfied and pleased, we have to reclaim our true identity. We thought we had our identity But the identity that you need to know that you have is the one of which we were given from the very beginning. The one that God said, you will be fashioned like him and you will be a representative, a representation of him. When we get to that point, then we will know that we're operating. Jesus never said a mumbling word. When they brought the woman to Jesus who committed adultery, Jesus said, the first without sin cast the first stone to stone her. Now, you want to hear the funny thing about that? The law did say 
if you were caught in adultery, you're supposed to be stoned. So the people came to Jesus to say it's time to stone her because she was caught. Let's do what we got to do. And Jesus said, okay, you're right. That's what the law says. But here's how it works. If you have never sinned, and if you've never done probably that same sin, start stoning. They had their stones in their hands. And they started dropping their stones. Not one person was able to throw it because they all was guilty. That's Jesus. When we are in his image, we look to help. We look to build up. Jesus, when they talked about him, he never said a mumbling word. You know what ticked Jesus off? When they were selling in the courtyard in the church when they were supposed to be praying. Do you get upset when your life is challenged? I get irritable. I feel sorry for my family sometimes. I get irritable when I'm on trying to do something for God and all the other stuff coming. I'm like, ah, leave me alone. Get irritable. Now I'm trying to do a little bit better way of handling that, but at the end of the day, that's a Jesus character. I ain't trying to tell you I'm like Jesus. I'm just telling you, when you really locked in in the identity into knowing who you are in Christ, the things that will irritate you is when you can't get to church. The things that will irritate you is when you can't get to prayer meeting. The things that will irritate you is when you can't get to Bible study. The things that will irritate you is when you forget to read your Bible. The things that will irritate you is when you forget to pray in the morning. The things that will irritate you is when you treat people wrong. I'm going to finish. Stan, let me tell you something yesterday that happened to me. Let's stand. Yesterday, I, I was quiet on the train ride coming down. As me and Big Son coming down on the train, I was quiet because God put something in my mind about we was on the train and I was traveling with three bags, my little bag that I always bring with me, a knapsack and a little suitcase. And I don't like the check bags. I like to just... So I, I, I never check stuff. And so the train was coming, and we got on the train, and it was this young girl in a wheelchair and her mother. I think it's her mother. And they were trying to get off the train, but as you know, between the platform and the train, there's just a little gap there. And the, the young lady started worrying about she won't be able to get off the train in time. And the mothers, and, and I felt they started panicking a little bit. So I grabbed the front of the wheelchair, and my son grabbed the back of the wheelchair, and we just picked it up and put it on the platform. We put it on the platform. I go back in the train. Now, remember, they were worried about getting off the train in time before the train left. So obviously, if I took her off, me and big son took her off and put her on the platform, and they got off, obviously, after we put her off, it's time for the train to leave. I got back in the train and I realized my knapsack and my bag, my suitcase was there, but my bag with my iPad and my laptop was still in the station. I said, oh, God. I looked out. I, know, I, I looked first for my bag and, so, and I said, is it around there? I looked. I said, no, it's not around there. So then I looked out and I saw the bag in the terminal. So I said, just, you just go ahead with the train and um, I'll just catch the next one. The conductors kept the train still for me to run back inside, get my bag, come back in. Then they tell the train to go. I am convinced. I am convinced. I am convinced 
that God show us that when we focus on the right things, he will take care of everything else. I am convinced of that. I was just quiet going back home on the train. I'm like, man, God, because guess what? If I would have just ran on the train, Never paid that girl any mind. I would have sat in my seat, and by the time I realized I didn't have my bag, the train would have been down the road. Now, I would have to be in a situation where I would have to get off the train, ride back, hoping somebody didn't take it, and I, I'm sure probably would have been gone. They would have looked in this hall and said, I'm taking this. But because I slowed down, I just believe God just show you when you minister. When God will just show you stuff if you allow him. And I believe just because we helped that young girl off the train in her wheelchair and put her on the platform and all that stuff, it allowed me the opportunity to start thinking, boy, you don't have your bag. And when I realized that I didn't have my bag, not only did they wait, not only did I I was able to go and get it and come back, but they waited for me. I I can't. Listen, I've been in a train station many times. When that thing started going slow. You might think it's going to stop. No, it's gone. And once they go, er, 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 it's gone. Unless there's something, you know, some travesty happen, it's, it's gone. And I just really believe if you will go back and reclaim your image and your likeness in Christ, it will get you to start doing things that is Christ-like. And every other thing that you worrying about so much, God will take care of it. Everything else that you're trying to do and you're wasting all your energies and it's not happening. I believe if you will reclaim your true identity, you will be able to accomplish things you would normally not accomplish because you're paying attention to the things of God. Because you're operating in your true identity. I thank God for always helping us know no matter how far we have fallen, how much we have been marred, how much we have messed ourselves up, God is still giving us opportunities to reclaim our true identity. And I'm telling you today, it's time for us to reclaim our true identity and stop living our false identity because the way we live in our own thoughts, in our own behaviors, in all of our own character, it will not profit us anything. God created us from the very beginning. It says, God created us in his image. And we got to be honest and say, you know what? No, I'm not operating like I'm in his image. It's time to operate in his image. Will you bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray today, Lord God, that we will reclaim our true identity. For God, we have not lived according to the image and the likeness that you've created us in. Somebody needs to just be honest with God right now. Somebody needs to be transparent with God. You don't have to tell anybody else, but we sure enough need to tell Jesus. We sure enough need to acknowledge our wrong. The Bible says in Chronicles, If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And it says, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. In order for us to ever get anywhere with God, we got to acknowledge our evil ways. We got to acknowledge our false identity, the way we've been living, what we're projecting. We got to acknowledge that we have sinned and come short. We, we have to acknowledge our wrong and say, God, I can't fix this on my own. The pastor can't fix it for me. I can't fix it on my own. 
My mom can't fix it. My dad can't fix it. No relative can fix it. What I've become and how I've behaved is not something that I can do on my own. But today, Lord, I heard your word. And you created us from the very beginning in your image and your likeness. And I have discovered through examining my own life that I have not lived up to the image and the likeness that you created me in. So today, Lord God, I humble myself before you. And I ask you, Lord God, to search my heart and show me the errors of my ways. I ask you today, Lord God, to help me to see the wrong that I have been doing. And today, Lord God, I ask you to help me to overcome them. Forgive me, Lord God, for I've offended you. And I have repulsed my own self. And I ask today, Lord God, that you will rescue me. For I know you gave your life, Lord God, that I can reclaim my true identity. I know you gave your life, Lord God, that I don't have to live in that false sense of identity. I don't have to live in a false way of being. But God, I can live true. I can live holy. I can live righteously. Because, Almighty God, you're constantly extending your hand for me to be saved. For me to come out of the falseness and the falsehood of who I've been. Lord, I pray today that you will speak to our heart. I pray today, Lord God, that you'll speak to our minds. I pray today, Lord God, that the blood of Jesus Christ will cover our sins. And that you will deliver us, Lord God, from the power of the enemy and from our own selfish desires and from our own will. Will somebody ask God to help them in here today? I can't pray for you, but you must pray for yourself. Yes, I will pray for you, but you have to acknowledge in your own way to your God what you have done and what you desire of him to do in your life. Father, help us today, Lord God. We're not, oh God, comfortable And content with where we are, but God, we're looking for you to move us from the state of corruptness, from the state of being marred, from the state of living in a false identity. Today, Lord God, we want to put on Christ, that we may put on Christ, that we may walk in the path of righteousness. Today, Lord God, I pray that the word of God will truly stir our soul and cause us, Lord God, to turn to you, to look to you, to obey you. Oh, help us, almighty God. Help us, almighty God. Jesus, have your way today. Jesus, have your way today. We love you, Lord. We praise your name, oh God. Oh, Father, we want your will to be done. We want your will to be done. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 how we need to pursue God. And if you ever want to know how to pursue God, you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 46. It tells us that when we continue in the Word of God, listen to me, if you want to make that transition to reclaim your true identity, The Bible tells us in Acts that we first must continue in the word of God. What does God say about this? What does God say about that? We must continue in the word of God. The Bible says the apostles doctrine and they continue steadfast in the apostles doctrine, the word of God. And then it says 
they prayed continually. It said that they fellowship. Many of us are not fellowshipping with Christians, with people that are supposed to be like you. And if you're going to be able to reclaim your true identity, you have to fellowship with Christian people. We can't fellowship with more non-Christians than we do Christians and expect for us to operate in our true identity. We need a fellowship. We need to eat together as Christian people. We need to eat together. We need to pray together. We need to fellowship. We need to eat together. We need to break bread. Yes, we need to continue in the Word of God. That is how we're going to maintain and that is how we're going to reclaim our true identity. We have to see the errors of our ways and realize that we have stepped away. We have gone in the wrong direction and ask God to forgive us. If we will do that, we can reclaim our true identity. If you're here today and you've never been born again of the water and of the spirit, you can do so and you can reclaim. For all of us, we must go that way. If we don't repent of our sins and get baptized in Jesus' name, we have no hope or no chance. We must.